Hi everyone, welcome along to the next edition of Precursive Perspective. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Mike Dorman, who is the managing partner. Hi Mike, thanks for waving of, uh, of Atlantic Technologies. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me today, really appreciate it. Absolutely, so tell us where in the world are you today? I am based out of uh, my home office in Denver, Colorado, um, and left uh, yeah, the UK, I guess, three and a half months ago, thinking I was coming back for three weeks. Yeah, 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 because you commute once a month, don't you? So uh, About that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, thanks, thanks for coming on. So uh, in, these, in these conversations, Mike, as you know, uh, I spend some time speaking with executives and leaders of a, a range of different companies, technology businesses, professional services organizations, really about how they're uh, navigating this new remote reality that we're all uh, working in and exploring some of the topics in and around it. So let's just begin with a bit of background to you and Atlantic Technologies. For the, so for those of us joining today, give us a little bit of background on Atlantic and the scope of your role there, and then perhaps a little bit about your career prior to that, if you don't mind. Sure. So Atlantic Technologies is a, uh, a Salesforce, Oracle, and Tableau consulting uh, firm that's based out of Milan, Italy. Um, I am a managing partner along with uh, one of my partners, Fred Walker, in the UK. Yeah. And yeah, so we, we've been in business for over 20 years. Uh, we're the largest platinum partner uh, in Italy outside of the big four. Um, and then we've done a lot of work in J.D. Edwards, uh, Oracle, and then Tableau, which has fit nicely with um, the turn of events in the last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I, I, I actually, uh, prior to Atlantic, came from uh, Blue Wolf, which was acquired by IBM, and spent five years there as an associate partner and led the team of engagement managers for the United Kingdom. So we had a book of business of about a hundred, about a hundred million in direct revenue for IBM. Yeah. And um, you know, kind of at the end of it, I've, I've been in the Salesforce space for about 15 years. Fred and I, Fred and I moved over to Atlantic at the same time and originally had grand ideas to go out and do something on our own in, in the UK. And we met uh, Marcelo De Rosa, who is the CEO of Atlantic, mm. uh, to see if he would be willing to, you know, invest in us. And he, he wanted to. And then just a little bit before we were going to kind of get moving, he said, Hey, I have a better idea. How about you? Uh, under my banner, uh, Atlantic Technologies get the UK up and running for us and start a practice there. And that's that's kind of how that came to fruition. So in, in the UK, we're really focusing on Salesforce and surrounding technologies and applications um, as a, uh, as, you know, as a platinum partner. Well, I'm glad we got Fred's name in because he'd be super disappointed if he... If he I, 100%. 100%. And Marcelo, um, if you're watching, I, I wore this shirt for you, so... Um, cool. Um, so I, I think, you know, obviously the world's radically changed since, uh, since when you and I first met um, a number of years ago. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you guys at Atlantic had to adapt given, given the new circumstances. Yeah, it was, um, well, I mean, it's, you know, I run the UK and, you know, one of the first things that I had to do on the beginning of March was decide my family's based here. How, do I need to go back? Okay, I'm going to go back. Um, and then it became, how do we, how do we work that? Not just for me, but then, you know, with all of our employees, because they're dispersed around the UK uh, with everybody that came into an office like anyone else. Yeah. I mean, we, we were already using zoom. I, I, I think just for client meetings, 
yep. um, and other remote working tools. So uh, it changed very, very quickly in terms of people getting onto video calls, um, which is key. I think that face-to-face -face interaction is what, what people need out of the, you know, out of the gate. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, one of the ways that we dealt with it immediately, and I know a lot of other companies have, and I'm sure we stole it from somebody, but we started like quiz nights and, you yep. know, Zoom drinking and just yep. things to try to keep employees engaged. Those have come off, you know, a little bit other than the, the quiz night, just because of the competitive spirit of our consultants. But, <laughs> uh, um, you know, and then we, 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 we did some other, we took some other measures in realizing um, that people were going to be from home. We, you know, we came up with a budget um, and allotted a certain amount of money for all of our employees to purchase home office, you know, home office equipment, which might be, you know, whatever they needed. Some people didn't want a chair. Some people wanted a desk or, you know, a new monitor or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, it was, I think, pretty organic, like every other company. It wasn't really something that any of us no. uh, had any foresight into. So it was, um, it was a little bit from the hip, but we've, we've hired enough people that, um, we trust them, you know, so it was never an issue of like getting their work done and it just became a way of establishing ways of working with our leadership team and then cascading that down to our, to our employees. So even now we've, we've, we've opened the office. Um, okay. but we, we built, we built an application on Salesforce yeah. just internally for tracking who wants to go into the office right. um, and tracking things like, you know, we we're, we're asking our employees that want to go in that they don't take public transportation right now that we cap it at about four or five employees at the office at a time. They have to wear face masks and they basically sign all this in Salesforce. Yeah. Um, but we've also, you know, like in the UK, we've extended, um, we've extended our timeline for working from home indefinitely because it, it has worked. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. okay. Um, well, here's a little tip for you because we have, we have our own Wine Wednesdays, uh, which is uh, which is very popular at Precursive. So there's a game called Fibbage. I will mm -hmm. send it to you. And basically, what happens is uh, it's it's like a little game show online, and you'll have a statement, and you've got to put in insert a word and get everyone to uh, believe your lie, and you get points. Uh, oh, so I like that. It's very amusing. So I will send Fibbage. It's a it's a very English word. Yes, it sounds very English. Yeah, well, it's an American game because it's an American accent on the game. So uh, Fred, Fred, Fred will love it. So, for look, looking at your customers then and your clients, um, you, you serve a range of mid-market and enterprise manufacturing businesses, technology companies, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, biotech, healthcare. So, what have you seen in terms of the changes for them and 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 really how they're adapting to this and the change that they want to achieve? Yeah, it's been. It's been interesting. I, the clients that we've been working with, um, it's it's as if, and I'll take this outside of the manufacturing clients, which which have been a little bit different because they've been been impacted more than some of the technology clients that we work with. Yeah. Um, the technology clients we work with, I, it's it's as if the infrastructure um, was already in place to handle this type of you know crisis, and so for them, it became crack on. Um, mm -hmm. Now we don't have to waste any time. And so I think what they're trying to, you know, uh, two of the, the clients we have right now, I think they view this as a time um, that moving along in a much more rapid and iterative fashion uh, makes the most sense now, you know? So what we're seeing is, you know, companies that traditionally might've been more 
and I hate the word wagile, but you know, where they really take a big, you know, big bang or big picture approach are, yeah. are starting to become more receptive to iterating in an agile fashion, just because there's, you know, you don't have to coordinate, you know, a, a, a huge meeting space and fly a bunch of people out, you know, and people are now accustomed to working on virtual whiteboards and, and via, you know, zoom and other, you know, audio visual technologies. So, yeah. um, the impact for our clients is, and the change that they want is really, you know, let's, let's move forward. Let's do it a little bit faster than we, we have in the past. Okay. And yeah, I mean, so it's, it's been very speed interesting. Of engagements, so the speed of engagements can actually potentially increase for you guys. I think it's what it's ironically, that's what's happened where, you know, mm -hmm. I think when we started out of the, from the offset, uh, we thought this was going to have an impact on how fast we could actually accomplish work mm -hmm. with our clients. And it's actually turned out that we can do things potentially a little bit faster because we don't have to wait uh, in terms of making people travel and, and, and on our side and on their side, it okay. just comes together. And obviously we don't care about what, how we dress for anything anymore. So. Yeah. Well, you know. no, you've always been a fan of hoodies. So, you know, That's you live your dreams. So, um, and then, and then with, with respect to like how you've, you've been in con consulting a, a, a long time across a range of businesses, how do yeah. you see this impacting the consultancy market and that environment like longer term? Well, I think it, I think it does a couple things. I think that, uh, first, it opens up the it opens up the door for uh, resourcing more so than we've had before. So you know, it, as it stands, most you know, primarily in a London office, you're hiring London talent or people in the surrounding areas yep. uh, with not a lot of people commuting in. And I think what we've proven, we actually onboarded a, a new employee uh, one month into the the crisis, um, and it worked. And it worked well. None of us, other than his interviews back in like February, none of us had ever met him in person. None of us have worked with him in person. Um, so I think from a consulting standpoint, um, it's opening up the potential to hire people that are outside of London or, you know, outside of uh, a country in particular. So you can start attracting the best talent from almost anywhere now because you don't have to go into a centralized office all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think that allows uh, for companies to get a little bit more value because com uh, uh, clients are looking for the best and brightest, which is what we're looking for. Yeah. So us being able to hire outside of a box um, will allow us to more effectively consult with our customers, which means that you know they're going to be looking for speed and, and other areas. It's really the second point, that speed. Mm. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier, but eliminating the need to travel out to client sites, coordinate huge meetings, um, kind of, it, it not only takes, it, it, it not only takes that, that time away, but the money that's invested into getting resources out to meetings and, and, and running workshops can be put into other areas. So, you know, uh, an extra resource to develop faster or uh, perhaps purchasing another technology. So, you know, consulting is going to, you know, consulting has adapted, I think already. And most of the, uh, most of the folks that I know uh, that work for competitors um, have said the same thing. It's just, everybody just kind of got on board right away of using virtual technologies for whiteboarding, for running workshops, uh, recording sessions, uh, using more collaborative tools like Microsoft Teams and, and Google. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's just become 
I don't think the face-to-face -face is ever going to go away. And definitely um, uh, the handshake is still something that is not only like gratifying, but like it, it is still a way of doing business. I don't think that's ever going to go away, but I think the need for it on every single engagement um, is moving away to what we are, what we're at right now has really allowed us to, you know, uh, be more responsive to our clients and to our, you know, like the well-being of our employees. So, you know, I'm, myself as an example and a couple other folks, you know, we have spent a lot, I mean, you're, 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 you're prime too, you know, we spend a lot more time with our kids because yeah. we're not spending, you know, for me, I'm not spending 10 hours on a plane to commute to work yeah, or taking a train or, or whatever. Um, so I think from a productivity standpoint, um, not from a, a client side, but from a, uh, consulting side and from our company, our employees happiness is a little bit better. Now, I mean, everybody still wants to go to the pub, but, but like people are, if people are happier because the balance in their life is there and they're bringing that into their conversations with you, I've noticed it. I mean, you know, you, you, a lot of the time, you know, you would pe meet people sometimes in meetings and, you know, people are having a bad day. They've had a horrible commute. They got a two hour train ride to get home. It's, it's a factor. So no, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I mean, now it's just hitting a mute button for a minute to, you know, tell your kid, like, I promise I'll be done with this call yeah, exactly. in five minutes. You know? Switch off the face and, and put your fist in your mouth. Um, <laughs> so you, you talk about wanting the best and the brightest and talent's a critical piece of, of, of building a, a great, consulting organization and being able to, to, to create value for your clients. So look, looking at, at, at some of the different components on and how you think about building a more agile team and business. And, and we talk a lot, as you know, in our research about what companies are doing to build an agile workforce. So what is, what are some of the components of that for you in terms of how you think about growing Atlantic and making it into a more agile workforce? I think a lot of that comes down to a lot of it comes down to training and education um, and communication. So, uh, you know, the ability, the ability to, to work in a more agile fashion. I mean, it's, it's not always on, you know, I think uh, pie in the sky, we would do it with every client. A lot of it comes down to educating our clients on what that actually means, because I think, um, you know, one of the benefits of Salesforce is that, you know, you can really quickly build anything on it. That's also one of the downfalls um, yep. is that you can just build something and keep iterating and iterating uh, without having a gate. So yep. um, the education piece is having a proper governance structure in place and working with the clients to really understand how much more disciplined uh, developing and deploying in an agile fashion is because you have to have people that are empowered to make decisions um, that, you know, that are working with uh, a set of outcomes that, you know, uh, everything is built against, you know, where you're not just like building to build, um, where every, every piece of criteria is, is put into play against, um, you know, a measurable outcome. Yeah. So if you're building X, it's because we're trying to achieve, you know, achieve, you know, five minutes back in our day for our service reps to talk to other customers or what, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, but it's, um, and then communication, just from, a, I think what we found in here, like having a workforce that's quickly and easily able to be agile uh, just with their own work and adapt, um, communication has actually gone up. I actually feel like our team, like right now, 
uh, and anybody that we've been bringing in, we, we have much more uh, effective and frequent communication than we have in the past. Even when we were face-to-face -face in an office, uh, which, you know, face-to-face -face in the office is great. Uh, there's a lot of banter and chit-chat that happens. Yeah. Uh, but that's also kind of detrimental sometimes where it, it can take away from some of the effective communication and getting getting to the point. So from an agile standpoint, um, we've been able to move, I think, a little bit more quickly because we've been more effective at communication. We're hopping on calls a lot more often. We're having face-to-face, -face, mm. you know, more often. Yeah. Um, and the same with clients. It's, there's no, you know, there's no like, hey, let's wait like a week until we can find out if everybody can get there. It's, it's almost like everybody's gone to, let's see if we can all get on the phone in the next half an hour. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then you're scheduling your banter in the form of, in the form of drinks or a quiz, or it's almost like you've got this productivity slot and then you can have a release. And you have, yeah, yeah. you have a, you have your, you know, your banter hour and that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, with, with, with regards to, like you're, you're operating across a, you know, a range of technologies and a range of industries. Um, and I think the, you know, the scrutiny on investments and spend, you know, inevitably in this, in this macroeconomic climate is much higher than it has been. Now, in your industry, skills and knowledge is such a critical element for your customers. Um, mm -hmm. how, how, how do you see that? evolving and or, or or put another way or like what, what to begin with maybe what's the importance of it really from the from the client's perspective oh skills i mean it's um i think that's our you know i mean we are we are going into clients to be not only experts in the technology uh but also if you think about the things that make up a a, a salesforce implementation you're mm -hmm. starting to talk about uh, governance and not just project governance, but overall governance of how you um, you keep Salesforce evolving and moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. Change management, so the way that communications go out about the platform, and you know, uh, training and education. Mm -hmm. um, you also have just people that understand process, not the technology, but sales process, service process, and that have had like experiences with other customers. So it's. It's really, um, it's really challenging finding that right like mesh of skill set because it's, it's what we're or the, the approach that we've taken is not you know everybody has to be up to speed certified uh, and an expert on the technology dependent on the role, um, yeah. but there there are intangibles so you know the smartest uh, you know the smartest person in the room isn't necessarily uh, always the best person to go talk to a client. And right. so we are trying to find that mesh of, do you have the chops? Yes. And then from a cultural fit, um, sense of humor. And, uh, you know, I, it is little things like for us, like sense of humor. Are they a little bit self-deprecating? Yeah. Are they afraid to get in front of a room of, you know, five or six people like out of, you know, from the offset. So when we, when we look at talent, um, the skill set is, it's a checkbox. Yeah. They, they have to know Salesforce. Depends. So like for a solution architect, mm -hmm. um, they have to have a certain number of certifications at a minimum. They have to have uh, a level of experience with customers. But then um, when we go through the interview, we give them case studies that are very vague and ambiguous. And then they have to come back unbeknownst to them and, and present to, you know, five to six people and walk us through it. 
that yeah. we're going to have questions. And it's because that's oftentimes what happens with our clients. So it's us finding those right people. Um, we built a, we actually built a, an application in Salesforce to help us manage that and grade and all that. Um, as you know, we, you know, we use Percursive internally, yep. but all of that then as we bring resources on board, um, you know, is related back to that, uh, you know, Percursive user. Yep. Um, so that long-term when we start talking about their certifications and, oh, this is the right person to lead a room. This person could talk to C-level executives and the like. That's, um, those are things that we want to know as we, you know, as we move forward. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty common now for the, the the customers to be putting in automations where the work that people are undertaking, the type of technology that they're working with, the industry experience is all being automated and pushed into that the profile yeah. of that staff member in, in, in Salesforce via Precursive. That's 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 more and more common. Um, it, I, I guess just a follow on question around. So you talked about things like you know the the process you know, process, understanding process improvement, understanding change management. Um, yeah. I think in sometimes in some of these larger enterprise companies, they think they understand those things, but actually it's, it's, it's a bit more chaotic than one might, one might hope. I'm curious to know, how do you, do you actually actively train people on things like that on process improvement on change management with specific methodologies or is it you using a combination of things? How do you build up people's? Because if you haven't worked client side, for example, if you haven't been a practitioner, if you haven't worked and delivered or, or done those projects internally in, in the vendor business, sometimes it's pretty difficult to kind of have that real world experience. So tell us about how you try and develop maybe some of those skills a bit more, if you don't mind. I think it, yeah. So <clears throat> internally with customers, it oftentimes will depend on the level of maturity they have. Yeah. Um, what we find in a lot of customers is that um, there is a governance framework in place, mm -hmm. but as it relates to managing um, a technology like Salesforce, where you continue to iterate in yeah. a rapid fashion, uh, they aren't necessarily set up to do that. So a lot of what we would do is go in and recommend approaches and why, you know, the, uh, recommendations on why it works, how it works, and then we will help guide them, uh, you know, the the same thing around the change management side there's often pretty strong change management organizations uh, and training organizations within you know especially the the the, the larger mid-market to enterprise customers mm. um, but oftentimes there's just it's a little bit of guidance around execution so that's where our consultants will come in and help them with executing you know actually ex putting a strategy together and execution of that um, at the end of the day, it, it, it does become incumbent on the, the cl our clients to actually, you know, do a lot of that work yeah. and we're there to help guide them. I mean, that's, we are, you know, consultants, but without, without those values, of, you know, like the value of the project uh, is often lost. And I think I, you know, for our, from our side, it often feels like people look at it as a line item mm -hmm. and we embed it with all of our projects, uh, you know everything that we can around change management and yeah. around governance, because yeah. typically when those aren't, uh, when, the, when those aren't present, that's when you start to see projects fail. And yeah. so there's an education uh, with the clients from the offset of why we include those services and how we, ex how we help them execute on, on the strategy. Okay. Okay, cool. It's and, a very and, vague way of saying it, but no, um, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, it's often so, taken as that line item. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, with regards to, so, because you're, you're, you know, constantly, you know, day by day, you're mobilizing people, both in, in your business and your customer's business, um, and therefore capacity, right? And, and, you know, your organizational capacity, your individual capacity to deliver is, is a very important component of, of any consulting business. And in fact, for any, any customer, right? So yeah. um, in this new remote environment, how has capacity planning changed? And kind of, kind of backdrop to this question is, I remember a meeting with the head of operations for a, uh, a services business. And he said, you know, I know we've got a problem because when I look over in the office and at, at five o'clock, half of the office got up and left. And at eight, at eight o'clock, the other half got up and left. And, you know, I knew I had a problem because I could see it. Talk to me about kind of with this more distributed approach, does it make that capacity planning different more difficult you know what are you seeing there i i think it's if anything i think it's made it a little bit more effective um mm -hmm. you know so in, in we can look at it from uh, resources on a page so we can definitely tell you know uh from an allocation standpoint on our side where our shortfall you know where our shortfalls are where we may need to hire more headcount mm -hmm. um you know, which of our expert resources are you know tied up if we're trying to sell you know another another deal um, but it doesn't take out some of the human aspects of that resource capacity and really finding out how people are doing and checking their workload. So if anything, I think it's, it's actually increased the amount of communication we have with our employees. And that's, um, not only from our, from our like head of delivery and head of consulting, talking with all of their employees and us talking, you know, Fred and I talking to our direct reports, but, um, I find myself reaching out to, you know, like our employees more, just really trying to understand how they're doing, where they're at with their projects, what's coming up for them. Um, I think it's really helped yeah. in terms of, I, uh, it's kind of necessity is the mother of all invention, but it has really helped me from a communication standpoint, try to get down to understanding really our, our resources bandwidth outside of numbers on a page and understanding yeah. from a, yeah a human level what their actual productivity is in a day so yeah. um it so it's yeah it's been a little bit different to manage because it's not just uh you know quick interactions at an office it's really now turned into making sure that you know because there's there's mental health stresses that have come with this for our employees and making sure and checking in with them on that because some of them you know uh don't have a family right with them they might be living alone and yeah, going a little bit crazy and yeah, they don't have so. outdoor space. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it's changed uh, managing our our employees in that manner, and then trying to say, okay, if there are other mental, you know, like mental health considerations we need to take, like what do we actually consider full time capacity now? Because you know, before it's you know at you know an eight hour day, but now it might be you know really it's it's kind of six hours is a full amount of capacity for someone in a in a given day yeah so yeah. um and trying to figure out you know um you know a lot, some of our employees work on multiple projects and then really trying to figure out if it's half and half is that really really actually too much just in the the current environment yeah um i don't have a full answer other than uh, if that's if that if that's the way it is other than in terms of managing it, it it's checking in more with our employees and you know, trying to be more proactive in, in yep. terms of, yeah, how we take care of them.
No, I mean, I think that there is a there is a formula emerging, right? In the sense that mm. you you know, as you say, you you've got an opportunity whereby you can bring people together maybe more easily. So therefore, you know, that two week gap that you might have had between an interaction on a project because you're trying to schedule something and then someone can't make it and then you cancel it and then it's another yeah. two weeks and you know suddenly your your project's delayed by by a couple of weeks or four weeks or however however long and you're able to if you're able to pull stuff forward and, and deliver actually more work in less time not only you know, timeline wise but actually productivity wise as you say you, you can get it done in a shorter amount of time um, but it's kind of balancing that against, as you say, like the both the home life pressure, people, you know, still with children at home, homeschooling, the pressure that comes with that. I think for some mom- mothers who are bearing the brunt, frankly, the, 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 the boredom that can come with that, because it is, it is, you know, it is a grind. And, um, and then I think, um, you know, it, it, as you say, for those members of the team that don't have people around them, and they're just all they're doing is working, right? I mean, so it's uh, the nuances to all of this, I think, has tested people and companies like never before. Um, yeah. Um, so, so with, with, with regards then, finally, just, just kind of looking at like some, some, some tips for people to take away. So we're, we're both working a lot with our customers who are working on and in and around the Salesforce platform. Um, what, what's, advice would you give to to people who are maybe earlier in that journey of Salesforce about how to think about, you know, how you can use Salesforce as a platform for growth? Well, I think, you know, I mean, you know, for, I can, you know, for us internally, um, we use, and, and part of it is if we go out to a client, um, we we like to be able to show how we actually use Salesforce in yep. our in our pitch, because it's actually helped us from a what you'd expect a, a sales and opportunity management uh, aspect, but then also resource planning, and then you know we're using Percursive for for our timesheets, which yep. feed into billing, yep, and everything. Um, so it can, I mean, the using Salesforce as a platform, it really can be leveraged for, you know, a, a huge variety of business functions. I think the, the, the best advice I'd have is, is really, and we do this with a lot of our clients, start simple. Mm. Like, don't try to figure out, you know, and don't move over complex processes that, you know, people haven't used or, you know, are complaining about because you're going to, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Um, so where we go in is, you know, there's, you know, so if you look at a Salesforce sales process, you know, see if this works for 80% and then iterate on top of that and really, really make decisions that are based on achieving business outcomes rather than, hey, you know, this is going to work for Bob. Mm. You know, it, it's always Bob, isn't uh, it? There's always a Bob. Always a Bob. Um, but it's, it's start, you know, um, start small and iterate. Uh, I, I always look at it like, you know, when I, I look at Salesforce no different than like, some of the apps on my iPhone. So like I fly, I fly on, well, when we used to fly. When you used to fly, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I used to fly. Yeah. I flew on United Airlines, you know, I, I fly United Airlines and that's, yeah. that's just what I do. And the first iteration of the app, I could like check a flight and like book a flight, mm-hmm. but it didn't have anything on there about my loyalty. I couldn't use the, you know, I couldn't scan it at a gate. 
yeah. none of that. And it was the base amount of functionality I needed. And it iterated over time and they continued to communicate with me on here's what's coming in the next release. Here's what's coming in the next release. Salesforce is no different. Mm. You've got to establish that baseline, keep it, keep it simple for all intents and purposes yeah. and then move, move from there. Um, and that's, you know, with a good governance structure in place, good communications and, and change. Um, that's how you keep the platform clean and you keep people engaged with it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple does not mean simplistic, right? I think that's, that's perhaps underappreciated. That's right. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean simplistic. It just means, you know, take literally take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Don't boil the ocean. Yeah. And don't do Excellent. It. All right. Thanks, Mike. It's been, been great having you on final, final questions. And so is this, are you also then a budding musician or is this the kids music studio we've got what's that, keyboard drum kits or is this where well, you, the, your wife the, the guitar the, the the two wooden guitars back there uh my wife and i made uh, as an anniversary gift back in where were we we were in like shoreditch or somewhere like cool and it was like a workshop where we got to like make our own guitars it was cool I and then my kids play piano and then i am a i am a drummer Oh, excellent. All right. Well, maybe we can get a video follow up on that one at some point. Maybe Bye. not. <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for coming on, Mike. Been awesome having you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, no Jonathan. Worries. Take care, man. All right.